Good morning, everyone who is here, as also those of you who are following us online. Today we continue our series in 1 Thessalonians, and we have reached chapter 4, which for me it's a very fun chapter, and you'll see in the coming weeks why. So what are we going to do? I'm going to hand over to Jess, who will read the verses that we have for today, and then we will see what God has for us. Hi, my name is Jess. I'm going to be reading for us from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians uh, from the beginning of chapter four. Finally, then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So we have finally reached the finally. And usually when we talk about finalies in letters, it's usually because the letter is coming to an end. But here in Thessalonians, it seems that Paul will continue for two more chapters. And so this is what I was wondering, like, why is he saying finally? Now, if you... And I think I've mentioned this before. It's a good exercise when you're reading uh, New Testament letters. Uh, if you one day get one of these letters, like First Thessalonians, who's not very long, and what you can do is print out the letter in a, in a, in a paper uh, without all the verse numbers and chapter numbers and the little subtitles, and read the letter as a letter, just for you to get the flow of it. And if you do this with 1 Thessalonians, one of the things that you will notice is that up until this moment, Paul has been kind of telling us a story. He's been narrating what happened to the Thessalonians before, what happened to him and Silvanus and Timothy. And now he has reached the moment where he will give some encouragement and instructions to the church. Now, another thing that you may notice if you read 1 Thessalonians is that this church has been quite faithful uh, in the midst of tribulations. So much that in the first chapter when uh, Paul is saying how thankful he is, and actually most of this uh, story that he tells, he tells with a lot of thanksgiving in his heart. And at a certain moment, he will say, I'm so thankful for the faith you have demonstrated, not only in your city, but in, in that whole region and in the region right next to it. He says, I'm so thankful that I don't really have anything uh, to say. But yet, we reach it finally, and then he has things to say. He has two more chapters of things to say. And the question that I had is, well, if things are so great, what's left to say? And I couldn't help, as I was reading First Thessalonians, to, to make sort of a parallel between uh, the season that they were in and the season that we are right now. Uh, I remember the, the last service uh, we had here, and right before when Corona was starting to, 
be more present in our midst that I was talking to Matt right after the service and he said, you know, this may be one of the last services we will have in person here uh, for a while. And it turned out to be true. Uh, that week we had all of those changes and we went from three services packed with people to one service online at home with kids all the time. <laughs> and uh, I remember we, we kept doing the, the small groups. So I personally had contact with the small group I was in. And it came to a certain point where uh, we decided to have a, the first of many Zoom meetings uh, with the community group leaders. And I remember uh, in that meeting when all those windows started to pop up, it felt a little bit, or at least while I was reading First Thessalonians, it kind of reminded me of that moment. Because there comes a moment in Paul's story that he, he tells the Thessalonians, I was so eager to see how you guys were doing that, I decided to send Timothy to know how everyone was. And for me, it felt like Zoom was our Timothy. Because uh, when we, we were able to see everyone there and all the leaders were sharing about how everyone in the group was, I, I think it felt similar to what Paul felt when Timothy came back and he says, oh, everyone's there. Everyone is actually fine. Everyone is holding on. And so the question was, what then is there left to say? So what I would like to do is for us to look at these two verses and see what God has left to say. So Paul begins by saying, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord. And these two words, ask and urge you, Paul is using them uh, pretty much in a similar way, and he's trying to emphasize this appeal that he will have for them. So it's something that's very much uh, in his heart, not only his heart, but Sylvanus, because they're all writing uh, together. So they say, we ask and urge you. So it's something that they really want to appeal to this church. Whatever they want to say, it's really coming from their hearts to the Thessalonians. But look at how he qualifies this appeal. He says, we ask and urge you in the Lord. Because this desire or this appeal that Paul has in his heart is very much in line with the desires that the Lord Jesus has for that church in his heart. So what is this appeal? And what I would like for you to do is when you read the passage... He begins, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord that, and I want you to skip to the other that, because Paul often does this. He will have like a sentence, and then he'll split the sentence and say some things in the middle. So I just want to read the two sentences together. So he says, we ask and urge you in the Lord that you may do so more and more, or that you may abound in this more and more, or that you may progress and develop in this more and more. 
And the question is, well, what is this appeal? What is he asking them to do more and more, to abound more and more, to be fulfilled in this more and more? And the answer to this, it's in the middle of the phrase. We ask and urge you in the Lord that just as you received from us how you ought or how it was necessary for you to walk and please God. So this sermon is about the walk of life. And what is this walk that the Thessalonians had? That it ended up pleasing God. Well, if for this you have to go back to the story. And you will see uh, there are three themes or three terms that Paul will continuously, uh, he will continuously uh, speak about. He will talk about their work of love and labor of faith and perseverance of hope. And the Thessalonians were very much living this, this love and faith and hope. Now for you to understand this walk of life, perhaps it would be nice for you to understand what uh, the city of Thessaloniki was like. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, last year to visit Thessaloniki uh, for vacation, so I didn't see any uh, historical places. I went to the beach so, and ate a lot of fantastic Greek food. So I highly recommend uh, visiting the city. But Thessaloniki is a very interesting city because uh, it was a very powerful city. Uh, it was, they had uh, a great respect and, and they would like to preserve their heritage and their traditions. And that consisted not only of their religion with all their gods, which Paul will call idols, but also uh, their economical structure and then their political structure and their social structure. So much that when Rome became Rome and the Roman Empire became the Roman Empire and sort of dominated the whole region, uh, Thessaloniki was still able to maintain this Greek heritage very much. And one of the things that's interesting about this whole situation is that for us, it's very simple to separate the religious aspect of life to the cultural aspect of life to the economical aspect of life. So we make all of these little boxes, which sometimes is not helpful. And, but for the Thessalonians, everything was mixed together. It wasn't my religious life, my social life, my economical life, my political life. It was everything was mixed together. And so to, to deny that culture, to pursue a different worldview or a different lifestyle was not to deny one aspect of your life. It was to deny a, everything. So what Paul proposes with the gospel for them is not a change of heart in the religious aspect. It's actually quite the 
countercultural thing. It's, it's a radical way of life. And the Thessalonians, they embrace this. Because the, the Greek lifestyle had two things, at least in Thessaloniki. It had this appeal of the heritage, to, of you belonging to this group. But they also, specifically in the city of Thessaloniki, they had a hope. Which is an interesting theme because Paul will talk about hope all the time. And in Thessaloniki, the hope was this. So the story goes. Uh, Thessaloniki had a, many Greek gods. And one of those gods became the patron god of the city. It was the city's god. And that god was Kabirus. Now Kabirus, as the story goes, he was a king that had two of his older brothers killed. And he went to live in the divine realm with the gods. But it was a thought in, by his followers that one day this king would come back. So the city, they had this lifestyle sustaining them. And they had the hope of their God king who one day returned. And what Paul proposes to the Thessalonians is a new radical way of life, but also a new hope of a true king who was crucified and buried and resurrected, who ascended into heaven and would one day come back. So the Thessalonians embrace this. And Paul here is saying to them, we ask and urge you in the Lord that just as you receive from us how to walk. So they are walking in this lifestyle. They are walking the life of Jesus. And they have neglected uh, the hope of the city. They have neglected the whole lifestyle of the city, which Paul consider everything as idols. And they have been living this new way of life. And as a result of this, uh, tribulations happen. Because now they, they're not aligned with the values of the city anymore. So Paul is appealing to them. Uh, just as you know how you ought to walk and please God. And this is very important. Paul will speak about pleasing God uh, in other places in the letter. Because sometimes it can feel strange when you are when you understand that you you're living in the right manner and then it seems like the world is against you and you say how can I keep going on uh, with this lifestyle and what Paul is saying is that uh, our hope is not really on pleasing people but on pleasing God So he gives this encouragement to them. He says, we ask and urge you to abound in what you have received from us. That you know that it is necessary to walk in the principles and values of God. And that this will please him. And the second phrase that's in the middle of this big appeal is just as you are doing now. So it's not something that only that the Thessalonians heard and that they began f to follow back then, but they are still following it. And Timothy gave this report to him that they are actually 
they kept going strong in love and faith and in hope. So Paul uh, continues, says, well, you need to abound in this more and more. And he continues, says, for you know what instructions we gave to you through the Lord Jesus. And this is the will of God, your sanctification. And so I kept thinking about this lifestyle that they embrace the correct lifestyle. They are living this new moment of life. They are pleasing God. So in their midst, in their community, everything is good, but around them, everything's still not good. Sometimes uh, there's still quite a lot of opposition to them. But they kept going strong. And Paul's appeal to them is that keep doing this. Keep living in love and faith and in hope because this pleases God. And going back to the parallel that I was doing before, uh, I felt the same thing when I saw that video on Zoom and all the community group leaders saying, yeah, everyone is doing good, we are still meeting online, sometimes uh, in person, uh, some people have been going through some struggles, others are, are handling it uh, good. And for a little while, it seemed that things were starting to look a bit more normal. So the numbers of Corona was going down. We transitioned and we were able to meet here at the, phone, uh, at the main hall instead of the boiler room. Uh, some of the gr uh, community groups, they were able to meet in person as long as they were able to keep the social distancing and stuff. And, and just when you would ride your bike through the city, you would just see more people. And that just, at least for me, I'm like, oh, it's not the apocalypse. <laughs> Things are going back to normal. And then about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we begin to see the numbers starting to rise again. And I don't know how you felt when you began to hear the news, but at least for me, my initial reaction was like, oh no, not again. Uh, we're going to have to go back to doing all of that and not doing all this stuff that we have been starting uh, to do. And the question is, well, what, what is the word of encouragement for us? Where... Uh, The groups are still going strong and the numbers were going up and then they went down, but down they, they look like they're going up. What, what is the word of encouragement? Well, Paul will say to us, uh, remember what instructions uh, we gave you through the Lord Jesus. And this was something very nice to see uh, in the life of our church specifically. I started go coming to Liberty uh, in 2016. And I remember my first service, there was about 25, 30 people. It was at the Mirror Center back then. And just to be able to see uh, between 2016 and 2019, how much God has done in our midst that we were able to move from there here to the Fondo Kirk, and people were just coming in, lives were being transformed, baptisms were taking place, 
And we were like, oh, there's no more room for people. And then we had the evening service. And then we had another morning service. And the, the encouragement that Paul is giving us, remember not all the stuff we were doing, but what is the grounds for all the stuff. Remember the love and faith and hope that has been presented to you. That's what sustained you during all this time. And that's what has been sustaining you as you keep going strong in this. And that's what's going to sustain you. And what we ask and urge you is that you keep living this love, faith, and hope more and more. That you abide in this more and more. And Paul says, this is the will of God for you. And I find it very nice that he talks about will of God in, in the midst of, a, of tribulations. Because it can look like for us uh, in the moments of corona where we, a lot of us have to put our plans on hold. Uh, we, there's a lot of uncertainties about lots of things. Like I, I would just like one thing to be certain during, in the midst of all this uncertainty. And then for Paul to say, well, this is the will of God. To know that in the midst of all of this, we can know the will of God. It's very comforting. It, it brings a certainty that goes above all our plans, above everything that we wanted to do. And he says that this is the will of God, your sanctification. That what you were instructed back then, how to live the gospel in love and faith and hope and how this was flourishing in the church in Thessaloniki so much that it was being known in all the region of Macedonia and all the region of Achaia. And just as we were instructed, as it began very small in the mirror center and then as it grew to what it is, he says that you may continue to abide in this more and more. Remember what you have been taught. Continue to live in this hope and love and faith because this is the will of God for you. Your sanctification. And then Paul will, in, later in the chapter, he will talk about what this sanctification uh, touches in all aspects of life. But for this, you have to tune in next week. Because you'll know. Matt is going to explain all of this. So, in light of all of this, what we have for you is, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord, that just as you have received from us how you ought to walk, and please God, just as you are doing, uh, that you may do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you for, through the Lord Jesus. And this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Why don't we bow our heads? Father, we, we thank you because you are a father that is in our past and in our present and in our future. And that whatever moments of uncertainties and tribulations we may go through, we know that by living in love and faith and hope, living the 
gospel that radically changed our lives, that this will guide us to one thing that will always be for certain, that we will be walking in your will as you transform our lives, as you sanctify our lives. Thank you very much for this. In Jesus' name, amen.